Hey, welcome to the Disability Law Show. Reaching out anytime. Write it down if you haven't got it written down in your phone already. 1-855-821-5900. Disabilityrights.ca or simply help at disabilityrights.ca to reach out through email. Uh, speaking of emails, got a lot to get through today. Savannah, I know you got some week that was you want to talk about. Uh, but something that was just recently launched, and we like to uh, we like to plug this and talk about it uh, in, in a bit of length each show, and that is the Pocket Employment Lawyer, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, if you want to find out more. There's a lot on there, of course, as the name would suggest, about uh, you know uh, human rights violations and severance, independent contractors, termination for cause. But in addition to that, if you scroll down a little bit, you will get to a section about long-term disability. This is a fantastic tool. You and uh, Lior just launched it, and we talk about it on the Employment Law Show as well. This thing is going to save a lot of people a lot of grief. It's like literally having a lawyer in your pocket you can consult, and then after that, there's uh, there's numerous places to contact and carry on from there. But tell me a little bit about the part uh, you really concentrate on with the uh, pocket employment lawyer. Thanks, John. Well, this is really, really exciting. I have to give Lior credit for this. This was his idea. It was his baby to create this uh, virtual employment lawyer, pocket employment lawyer. And, you know, it was born out of the realization that many people out there just simply don't want as a starting point to call a lawyer. They don't want to email a lawyer. They don't want to have any contact with lawyers. They're, they're afraid of lawyers. They don't like lawyers. Whatever the reason is, they want to get the information. The problem is that if you Google the stuff, if you Google your questions, you're going to get a lot of wrong answers. Right. And that's how this was born. And when Lior decided to do it, I said, well, how about we have a component in there that deals with long-term disability? Mm -hmm. Because you know, John, we talk about this all the time on the show. People who have long-term disability claims or have been denied unjustly by their insurance companies, their long-term disability claims and benefits, uh, many times they have issues with their employer. And so it just simply made sense to incorporate that component into the pocket employment lawyer. So when you go to the pocket employment lawyer at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, if you scroll to the bottom, you will see that long-term disability section, mm -hmm. and you'll have some questions to answer. And when I say answer, I don't mean you need to type anything. You literally select uh, uh, certain choices. So, for example, the first question is, what is the reason you're unable to work or have difficulty working? Is it an illness, an injury, an injury and an illness? And you have a series of questions, not many, not many, just a handful. You click on them, and then the pocket employment lawyer does its analysis and shoots out uh, the information for you, the, the basic information that historically you would be paying lawyers thousands of dollars to find out. And here you have it. It's anonymous. It's free. I really urge people out there to just check it out. Even if you don't have a disability, even if you don't have an employment issue, check it out because someone you know, a colleague, a friend, a family member may actually have use for this. It's so true. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And as Savannah just mentioned, there's uh, there's no charge. There's nowhere to enter a visa card, even if you wanted to. And if you want to remain anonymous, no problem. Go use the tool, get the information you need, and just, uh, just shut her down. But if you don't want to, as I said, there's a contact button uh, several times there. You can reach out uh, a little further. Uh, week that was, uh, what else you got going on, pal? So, John, you know, uh, generally when I speak about the week that was, and our weeks are very, very busy dealing with clients, dealing with insurance companies, uh, I, I almost never talk about uh, what you, we as lawyers get by way of information because, you know, we, we, we have publications, magazines, emails from different types of entities trying to feed us information. And I got something this morning uh, that I want to talk about. So, so this is uh, an actual email that lawyers typically get that gives us updates about the law and tells us about, right. you know, key legal people out there. 
the first article that came up here I'm gonna read you the heading clients want lawyers to stop ignoring emails and phone calls and, and you know you would think that this is common sense but many lawyers out there and I'm not just talking about disability lawyers or employment lawyers family lawyers real estate lawyers they don't get it I don't know if there is a screw loose or what or if they think they're entitled to something <laughs> or if they think they're gods well I can tell you I know some lawyers who think that they're gods they're not lawyers provide a service when you as an individual go to a lawyer you have the right to be treated with respect and to have a response to your question and people come to lawyers because they have questions and they need help you know the the heading in this article or the first uh, line in this article says the majority of lawyers neglect their emails and most wait more than 72 hours or more to reply to voicemails wow. one survey says and then it goes on and explains you know other issues I am telling you, John, when I read this, I almost fell off you know, my chair. I, I can't even fathom that. Now, I'm not saying that other lawyers should be like me. I have a bit of uh, an OCD personality. I'm a bit uh, compulsive when it comes to answering emails. And so if you email me at 5 in the morning, you will likely get an email back at 5.01 at most, uh, you know, to my wife's chagrin. But I, I'm not saying this is how it always should be, but certainly you should not be in a situation where you email your lawyer questions or you you you, you leave a voicemail and you don't get any response or right. you get a response you know even the next day as far as i'm concerned is inappropriate because we live in a digital age all the voicemails that people leave for me in the office they get forwarded to me and to everyone at my firm via email so instantaneously we can see and we can hear some of these voicemail no excuse that you know i wasn't in the office for three days because i was in court or or at a mediation or something like that there is no excuse for not responding promptly to individuals concerns and sometimes if i'm unavailable for whatever reason I will forward that to my assistant and I'll say, I'll say, Jamie, can you please get in touch with this and this individual? Here's the voicemail. Here's the email. There is absolutely no reason why I shouldn't be doing that and why if you're listening out there and you're nodding your head, there's no reason why your lawyer should not be doing that. It's simply unacceptable. And I'll tell you, John, I have fired lawyers in the past from my firm in the distant past who failed to meet that standard. I just think it's not only common sense, it's good business, and frankly, it's unfair for lawyers not to be responsive to their clients. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach out. And yeah, there you are. It gets answered quite quickly. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll get to some of those a little later on the show. And a reminder as well, check it out when you got some time as we go into a break here. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. It's a disability law show. Lots more on the way. Global News Radio. This is the Disability Law Show. Thank you for joining us. If it's your first, ta- uh, first time, come on in. Water's warm. You're going to l- learn a lot about disability and injury law. If you've tuned in uh, before, well, welcome back. one 821 5900 is the number. Again, one 821 5900 to reach Savannah or James and a member of the team. Disabilityrights.ca online and help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll get to some emails here in a few minutes. And as mentioned off the top of the show, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's lots to do with employment law because, of course, your firm, Savan, does both with uh, Lior doing the employment side. But there is also a section for LTD, long-term disability, on that tool as well. So check it out when you got some time. It's really handy, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. 
Another avenue that you provide for people to give you feedback and ask questions is MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Again, just uh, go in there. It takes but a few moments to ask your question. It will be answered very quickly. In fact, you can uh, search through the archive. Maybe your question that's in your head has been asked before and answered in depth. So do that as well. If not, leave it there and the guys will... uh, We'll get to it. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. That's where we're going to start uh, for this uh, this segment. What do you got going from there, pal? John, let me read you a question that was posted by Dave from St. Thomas. Um, and here's the question he posted. Am I obligated to communicate with my insurance company by phone? They have threatened to cut off my payments if I do not communicate by way of phone. When I ask about uh, as to whether or not this is in my policy, they say yes, but will not give me a full copy of my policy. That's his question. Mm. So, you know, John, we, James and I, when James is on the show, we always emphasize that uh, documenting what is said between you and your adjuster in writing via email is important. It's important because it creates a contemporaneous written record that no one can dispute. Uh, Certainly, they can't dispute what you wrote to them. Sometimes they won't respond back to you, which is fine because then, you know, you can argue that they've agreed with what you've written them. But in this case, Dave is expressing concern about communicating by phone, and I understand why, because I've had more than my share of clients that I've spoken to in the past, and still do, frankly, who tell me that they feel intimidated, they feel bullied, they feel like they're being pressured by their adjuster or caseworker or case manager at their disability insurance company, and they don't know what to do. And every time that phone rings and they see the number come up on call display, you know, their heart rate jumps up. Uh, they get sweaty. They can't, after the conversation, uh, uh, you know, catch their breath. It's extremely, extremely stressful for individuals out there. And this is especially so when they're dealing with mental health issues. It just exacerbates things. So I will tell you this. I have never, ever seen a provision in a long-term disability policy that obligates you to communicate by phone. I think it's simply assumed that generally you should be able to communicate by phone. But I can't see a situation unless the policy specifically states you must communicate by phone, which, again, I've never seen. I cannot see a situation that on that basis they can cut off your benefits. Yeah. Now, they they can't force you to use the phone. So what they do is they threaten. This is a common tactic. They threaten you. They say, if you don't do this, we will cut off your benefits. And so they're using that uh, you know, financial pressure point on you. I think that what Dave needs to do because remember, they're not giving him a copy of his policy, is he needs to put it in writing to them. He needs to say to them in writing to the adjuster, this is what you've told me. Unless you show me where in the policy it says that I have to communicate by phone, I will continue to communicate with you via email. And here's the thing. If the insurance company takes that step, that extreme step of cutting Dave off benefits, I can tell you, we're going to hit them back so hard that adjuster is not going to have a job anymore. I mean, it's ludicrous to me that they're telling you, you have to do this because this is what the policy says. And at the same time, they're saying, we're not going to give you that policy. That's nonsensical. It makes no sense. And I can tell you, if this ever got in front of a judge, which, again, these cases almost never go to court. They just don't. If it ever got in front of a judge... Holy cow, can I see a judge getting angry at that adjuster and the insurance company. So, again, one of the reasons why these cases almost never go to trial is because insurance companies understand that they are facing significant risk. So that was my advice to Dave and my advice to everyone out there. 
if you are being told to do something, if you are in disability, you're being told to do something uh, that that uh, they tell you is in your policy, uh, and uh, uh, you're asking for a copy of your policy, and they're not giving it to you, confirm in writing that you've asked for that policy, and until you see that policy, and specifically the section they are relying on, until that happens, you will proceed as you feel that you need to proceed. In this case, Dave wants to communicate in writing, and he should. So that's my advice to you. Remember, your relationship, your obligations, your rights when it comes to long-term disability is derived from the contract you have with the insurance company. That, that contract is the policy. And I know something it's all, you always believe in as well as Lior as well on the Employment Law Show is any correspondence, you get it in writing and you keep files. Have everything in writing or otherwise you can say it didn't happen, right? Exactly. That's exactly uh, correct. Yep. We're going to uh, take a short break, get back into your emails here, or at least get into your emails. Help at disabilityrights.ca. You want to slide one over? Would love to get uh, some questions answered off the top here. Disabilityrights.ca is the website. And as mentioned, if you haven't tried it yet, uh, you, you might not have. It's brand new. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca has all your employment concerns. And there is also a uh, rather robust section on disability law as well. So you want to check it out. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Lots more. The Disability Law Show is on the way. This is Global News Radio. Disability Law Show continues. Reaching out is simple. We're going to uh, concentrate on some emails for uh, for a little bit here. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number always works, 1-855-821-5900. And if you haven't checked it out for uh, convenience sake or just to peruse, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's a disability law section in there uh, as well. First email of the show, my brother. Milan says, uh, my wife was told that her long-term disability payments will stop in about two and a half months, because of transferable skills analysis assessment, her insurer had told her to do, concluded that she could do other types of work. We spoke with a friend of ours who is a lawyer, but he doesn't really deal with disability claims. He offered to help us appeal the decision. More on that later. Our concern is that the adjuster made it clear when he spoke to my wife that the insurance company likely won't change their mind because they think that her disease is not that severe her doctors disagree and think that she can't do any job at this point. What do you suggest? Well, th- this is very common for insurance companies uh, to to have you seen by one of their specialists or one of their consultants mm-hmm. to try and figure out, especially near that two-year mark, uh, whether or not uh, you should be able to do other type of work. And and why why is that? And I'll tell you, the vast majority of LTD policies operate in the following way. To qualify for long-term disability payments, for the first two years, you have to show, you have to demonstrate medically with the support of your doctors or whoever's treating you that you cannot do your own occupation. That's the test. Can you do your own occupation? Can I do my own occupation as a lawyer? And that doesn't mean uh, that I have to be paralyzed or brain dead. It just means can I do or can I not do the substantial aspects of my job? And if the answer is no, if the doctors are saying, no, Sivan is too sick, he's unable to do it, uh, well, then you should qualify for long-term disability for those two uh, first two years. Now, for policies that will take you beyond the two-year mark to age 65, for example, again, most policies out there will take you to age 65. Some of them will take you even beyond that, depending on your specific policy. To get benefits beyond the two-year mark, the test changes. Now the test becomes, can you do any occupation? for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. So remember what I said here. Can you do any occupation, but that caveat is important, for which you are trained for, 
or have experience or have some kind of a knowledge in. So if I am disabled and I can't do my job as a lawyer, the insurance company can't come at the two-year mark and say, well, Sivan, we found you a job uh, you know, as, as, a, as a greeter at Walmart. Nothing wrong with that job except that that's not what the test requires. The test requires something else. It has to be something that I'm trained for, that I have experience in or, or, or knowledge in. Now, the reason why, Milan, in, in your wife's case, uh, they've told you that they want to do uh, or, or, or that they've done a transferable skills analysis uh, is because they're trying to figure out if she, in fact, meets or does not meet that second test, that more expanded test beyond the two-year mark. Now, my concern here, let's shift for a second to that lawyer that you have as a friend, uh, but he doesn't deal with disability. Right. You have to be very careful of going to a lawyer or a non-lawyer, for that matter, who does not have expertise in this area of law. If I have a heart problem, I am not going to go uh, to my friend who is a skin doctor for, for advice. I'm just not. I'm going to go to a cardiologist. That, you know, it's simply foolhardy to go to someone who doesn't have expertise in order to get expert advice about something that is so important. Now, to show that he doesn't really know disability law, uh, you know, we can see that because he's offered to help them appeal the decision. And we've talked about appeals countless times. These appeals that insurance companies invite you to do are useless. I am not going to sit here, John, and say to everyone and broadcast to everyone that appeals never work. That, that's obviously not the case. Of course, in some instances, they do work, but those are uh, very, very rare instances in my experience. And I have people contacting me who have gone through two, three, four appeals, and all of them were denied. And we're talking about people with cancer, people with strokes, people with debilitating neurological diseases, people who are paralyzed. And yet insurance companies continue to deny claims. Here's why. It costs them nothing to deny your claim. Maybe a stamp for that letter that they send you. But think about this. What pressure is, is there on them to approve your, your claim on appeal once they've denied it in the first place? I mean, what, what, what is their incentive? Yeah. There is no incentive from what I can see. So it's very important to understand, what do we do or what's the alternative? The alternative to start a legal claim against the insurance company. Why? Because once we start a legal claim against the insurance company, once we, we start something that is beyond their control, now your claim internally within the insurance company moves departments. It's no longer with the original adjuster. Now it moves to an adjuster that, leaves, that deals with legal claims. Now they have to appoint a defense lawyer to defend the insurance company. And you know what that means, John? It means the insurance company is going to start getting bills. You bet. They're going to start having to fork out money to defend your claim. And lawyers are expensive, right? Defense lawyers are expensive. I know. I used to send out bills. I used to work as a defense lawyer. Insurance adjusters routinely used to call me up and say, Sivan, when are you settling that file? We want to stop paying you. We don't like to pay you. Right. So it's very important to understand, Milan, in your wife's case, I suggest something very simple. As long as her doctors say that she cannot go back to work or any work at this point, she has a case. Don't worry about the appeal. Let us start that legal process for your wife. I'm telling you, we will resolve your claim, your wife's claim, fairly quickly. I have absolutely no doubt about that. 
And the number to uh, to carry on, we're going to take a, a short break. You go right back into some more email, uh, emails and questions. one 821 5900 is the way to go. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email address from which we're pulling these emails. And if you haven't used it yet, mydisabilityquestions.com. There's a drop-down menu, or at least you can answer your uh, put your questions in. There's a drop-down, and uh, there's a chance that your question has been asked. But either way, lay it in there, and it will get answered by Savannah or a member of his crew. And once again, Pocket Employment Lawyer. Deals with employment law, but there's also a section on disability law. This is absolutely free, easy to use. There's no charge. It's anonymous. And if you want to, there's contact on that one as well. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. This is the Disability Law Show. More of it is coming up on Global News Radio. The Disability Law Show. That's what you are listening to. Loving it. 1 855 821 5900. Reach out to Savannah anytime. Get a hold of Savannah or James or a very capable member of that team and get some questions answered. But we're answering quite a bit here on every show, as we always do. Going to uh, refer to another email, Savannah, this one from Don. Uh, the, uh, the address, by the way, help at disabilityrights.ca. Don says, I've been on LTD for over a year and was let go from my job last month. I went to an employment lawyer who told me that he could get me a lot of severance because of my long employment with the company. But I express concerns because of what you talk about on your show about insurance companies taking severance for themselves. He says that he hasn't heard anything about that and is not aware that this is the case. Can you point me to the law that allows insurance companies to do this so I can show him? Okay, so Don, uh, to answer your question, um, you have to look at your policy. No. LTD policies, remember, govern the relationship between you and the insurance company. And the insurance company is entitled to do what the policy says, just like you are entitled to the benefits, your LTD benefits, because of what that policy says. And uh, quite a few insurance policies out there, in fact, the vast majority of them will have some language, some provision or provisions that deal with the credit that insurance companies can claim um, in relation to the LTD benefits that they're paying you. So for example, if you're getting workers' compensation because you were injured at work and you became disabled at work, uh, LTD policies generally will tell, will say that insurance companies are allowed to get credit for that. So for okay. example, let's say that uh, you're supposed to get $2,000 a month uh, in LTD and you're getting $1,000 a month uh, in workers' compensation. Well, you're not going to get one plus two. You're getting $1,000 from WSAB and then you're getting $1,000 from the LTD right. insurer. The same idea works with severance. And, and I'm not surprised that this employment lawyer you went to, I don't know who it is, but I'm not surprised that they're not aware of this because they're employment lawyers. Mm-hmm. You know, John, one of the things that we say and, and we keep reiterating is that there is this interplay between employment and disability law. And it's a very, very important thing to keep in mind because many people who are employed and have employment issues also suffer from some kind of an illness that usually generates that employment issue, right? They're not being able to to perform what they're supposed to. They ha- they're having issues with their bosses. And, and at the same time, they're going on disability. And, you know, the concern that I have is that, in fact, this is correct, that you have a situation where, uh, Don, uh, y- y- you potentially could be getting severance. Let's say it's $30,000 in severance, let's say. Uh, and if you get that severance... But your LTD policy contains a provision that says that the insurer is entitled to a credit for that severance. Then your lawyer is going to get paid. The insurance company is going to get a benefit for that thirty thousand. What are you going to get? Yeah, you're going to get nothing. So why is this again important? Because when you go to a firm 
uh, or, or a lawyer that has expertise in both employment and disability, they understand the nuances of that interplay and they can maximize the amount of money that's in your pocket. So one, one example uh, here, Don, is that if you've been let go while on disability, that is illegal under Ontario law. And what does that mean? It means that they've breached your human rights under the Human Rights Code. So this lawyer may be able to get you $30,000 in severance that is going to get eaten up by the insurance company. Whereas if one of our lawyers who deals with employment law and disability law was dealing with your matter, they would probably structure the settlement in such a way with the employer that, let's say, as an example, $15,000 of that $30,000 is severance and $15,000 of that $30,000 is human rights damages or general damages. That portion, that human rights damages, exactly, John, that cannot be touched by the insurance company. So suddenly you're getting that $15,000 in your pocket. You see, and this is important because I've had situations, again, I'm telling you, people who have heard the show after the fact and they've had a settlement with their employer only to find out a month or two later that the insurance company is knocking on the door and saying, you know, fork over the money. And and the people are just flabbergasted. They have no idea and, and they assume that the employment lawyers didn't know what they were doing. Well, that's not true. They knew what they were doing, presumably, with respect to the employment matter, but they didn't understand the interplay between employment and disability. So again, you want to make sure you go to a firm that deals with both. Otherwise, you are risking thousands of dollars that are owed to you. You're risking one of the big sharks here, the the the, the employer or the insurance company eating that money uh, away, and, and you're going to be left with nothing. Is this something that's automatic or, again, that's something that's governed by the policy that they get a credit for severance and, and all that stuff? You have to read your policy, right? You have to read your policy. Yeah. You have to read your policy, but I can tell you the provisions come in all forms, shapes, and sizes. They will sometimes say severance specifically. Sometimes they'll talk about termination pay. Sometimes they'll mm. say other income, and within that there's going to be uh, you know, subpoints uh, because you can earn income in different ways. Yep. It's not just severance. So absolutely, you have to look at your policy, but this is exactly what I'm saying. The employment lawyer may not be able to, may not be equipped to understand that unless they've dealt with disability cases. Or as in our firm, in our firm, we have disability lawyers, we have employment lawyers, and we have lawyers who do both. And this is what you want. You want that group. Because I can tell you, we talk amongst ourselves. We always look for ways, strategies, and tactics for increasing the amount of money that we can put in our clients' pockets. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number to reach out anytime. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email we're going to go to after a short break. In the meantime, check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for all of your employment matters and also disability matters as well. It's free. It's easy to use. There's contact to get a hold of either Lee or Savannah. Remember the uh, the firm in that regard as well. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Lots more. The Disability Law Show is on the way. This is Global News Radio. The Disability Law Show continues. You want to reach out anytime, not only when we're on the air, otherwise, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. Savan Catherine is uh, up next. Her email as follows. says, I've been on LTD for almost two years, and my insurance company wrote me saying that I need to apply for CPP disability. Why do I need to do that? Isn't the insurance company responsible for paying me? And what if I don't apply for CPP? Can my insurance company cut me off? 
So excellent questions, Catherine. Again, I get this. In fact, John, talking about what I said this morning about responsiveness, I have a client who, uh, in Vancouver actually, who just emailed me uh, early this morning at 4 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I was up at 4.30, so I responded. Uh, exactly a question like that. You know, here's the thing. Let's go back to the point I made in the last segment. You have to look at your policy. And the vast majority of LTD policies out there will say that you have an obligation to access or to try and apply for CPP disability. And the reason why insurance companies want you to do that is very simple because they get a credit for that. Again, let's use a very simple example. If you're getting $2,000 a month from your LTD insurer and you're getting $1,000 a month from CPP disability, you don't get one plus two, you get one from CPP disability and then you get one from your LTD insurer. Okay? So, very important to understand. Now, if you don't do that, can the insurance company cut you off? They they can, but they're not allowed. Right. So I've seen situations where insurance companies have said, you haven't applied, we're cutting you off. No, 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 no. you cannot do that. What they can do, and I see often, uh, I see them often do, is they say, okay, well, if you're not going to play ball, you're not going to apply for CPP disability, even though you're supposed to, we are going to guesstimate how much we think you should be getting. And we're going to reduce your monthly LTD payments by that amount. And, you know, I tell people out there, John, apply for CPP disability. And I'll tell you why. Number one, if you apply and get CPP disability, if if the insurance company cuts you off, at least you have another income stream coming in, right? It's not going to affect your CPP disability payments. So you have some way of living until we are able to take on the insurance company and force them to pay you. So that's number one. Number two, the test for CPP disability is arguably more difficult to meet than LTD. And what does that mean? It means that if you are approved by CPP disability, we have a stronger argument against the LTD insurer that they ought not to be cutting you off or should not have cut you off. So this is really, really important. Uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to say about CPP disability is that, uh, and this is not coming from my expertise, it's coming from, from one of our insurance experts here, uh, Terry, uh, who's mentioned before that if you actually get CPP disability, you actually end up uh, being better off down the road when you end up switching to regular CPP. So I'm going to leave it at that because I don't have expertise in that, but that's what I understood to be the case. Regardless, regardless, Catherine, if if you don't apply for CPP disability, your insurer in most likelihood will estimate how much it is you th- they think you should be getting and then reduce your LTD uh, monthly amounts by that amount. So my advice is apply for it. And if you get denied, well, then you can tell the insurance company, I applied and I got denied. What right. do you want from me? And at least at that point, you'll have an argument that they should not be reducing your LTD amounts. We'll get to Sandy next. Sandy says, uh, I was denied LTD because the insurance company says that there's not enough medical evidence to prove that I'm totally disabled. I don't understand what that means. I'm 52 years old and I've worked all my life in sales. I have MS and it's getting worse. My doctors wrote that I can't work because of my disease. What else do they need? Well, they need a good kick in the behind, uh, Sandy. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I find that quite often with insurance companies. Look, let's talk about this phrase, totally disabled. I know I've harped on this before. James has as well. You know, to get LTD, you have to demonstrate medically that you are totally disabled from doing your occupation or any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. Okay. 
totally disabled, mm. a completely made-up phrase by the insurance industry. There is no law that I'm aware of that says you have to be totally disabled within the meaning that you and I, John, think about the word total. Yeah. Because when somebody says, I totaled my car, you're thinking the car is completely wrecked. You can't drive it. When we're saying, you know, I, 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 I ate uh, uh, the cake in its entirety, the total cake, you think I ate the whole cake, right? Yep, sure. So when people say totally disabled, you're thinking, I'm thinking at least as a layperson, I have to be catatonic. I have to be catastrophically injured. I have to be have no legs, no arms. I have to be brain dead. Absolutely not. That's not what the test is. They want you to think that that's what the test is, but that's not what it is. Pure and simple. All it means within the meaning of the policy is that you're unable to do most of the the, the um, main aspects of your job, mm -hmm. or, or like I said, any any occupation for which you're suited for. And what does that mean? It means, again, if I'm a lawyer, I can't do my legal work. Uh, it, it, you know, you work on the radio, John, you, you, can't, you have an issue with your voice, for example, right? right. That's what that means. It doesn't mean that you can't go to the grocery store. It doesn't mean that you can't, uh, you know, take your kids to school. It doesn't mean that. Total does not mean total within the meaning of the policy. That's what they want you to think. And, and here's where it really irks me. It irks me in that... Uh, uh, insurance companies uh, will often take that position that you're not totally disabled and doctors themselves get confused by that term. And so doctors will assume, okay, well, yeah, my patient is not totally disabled. Right. So doctors need to be educated on that. And when I speak with them and explain to them, they are absolutely shocked because they don't understand why it is that the phrase is totally disabled as opposed to disabled, partially disabled, you know, or, or some kind of a more of a descriptive uh, a phrase. Well, it's very simple why it's not that. It's very simple why insurance companies use the phrase totally disabled because it means that more people are going to get confused. More people are going to be afraid of challenging that decision when the insurance company rejects your claim and more people are going to give up. And the overall result of all of these scenarios, more money in the insurance company's pockets. If you haven't checked it out yet, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There's all kinds of information about employment law, as the name would suggest, but there's also a robust section on long-term disability, so if you haven't checked that out, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll get to more of your emails here in a, in a moment. The phone number, 1-855-821-5900, and that email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. It's the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. This is the Disability Law Show. Savannah Tamarkin here. James off this week, so we're covering all the emails and the information. Uh, the email address you want to use it, help at disabilityrights.ca. You can use that anytime, as a matter of fact. And another way to reach out and get your questions answered, mydisabilityquestions.com. It gets answered quickly. There's a drop-down uh, menu there of, uh, of questions you can type in. It may have been answered before in depth, so check that out first. If not, leave it there, and it will get answered in depth uh, shortly thereafter. Jocelyn, you're up next. Email as follows. Savannah says, my sister was on short-term disability for severe asthma, and she was recently let go from her job because her boss said that they had to fill that spot. To make matters worse, she was denied LTD, and now uh, she has no money coming in. Can you help her? I don't know how long she can last without any income, and I'm helping as much as I can. Jocelyn, thank you very much for, for contacting us on your sister's behalf. And to everyone out there, remember, you may know someone who needs this kind of help, so do exactly what Jocelyn has just done and contact me. Please put them in touch with me. I charge nothing for this advice. James, it's the same thing. 
We just want people to be educated about their rights. Justin, let me deal with your sister situation right now. First of all, uh, the fact that she was let go from her job, again, we covered this before, that's a human rights violation. Yep. You cannot let someone go who is disabled. It's, you're not allowed. I don't care that they had to fill that spot. The employer, I'm an employer. Right, we have we have a lot of people working for the firm, and, and I'll tell you, not only from a humanistic standpoint, I would not let someone go who's disabled, but just from a legal standpoint. But again, employers, large and small, make that mistake each and every day. Yeah. You have rights, so that's the first thing, Jocelyn. Your sister's entitled to severance and human rights damages. Now, you're saying that she was denied long-term disability. Again, if her doctors say that she is disabled from working, and I assume that's the case because she was initially approved for short-term disability uh, for, for, for the severe asthma, uh, then we can help her. Absolutely we can. And what I would say is let's start the process right now because she is on that crunch. She doesn't have money coming in. She should apply for CPP disability. There are other government programs out there uh, that potentially you could, uh, you know, she, she could access. But but the key thing to understand here is we can help her on both fronts, on the employment and human rights front, and on the disability front. Just put her in touch with us. I promise you, we will help her. Jocelyn, you know the email address because that's uh, how you contacted us. But the number, uh, as an aside, one eight five five eight two one. 5,900. Use that for sure. Gregory, I'm next. Greg says, I was on LTD, long-term disability, for over a year before my insurance company said that I no longer qualify for payments because I was refusing to take a certain medication they suggested that was making me worse. My psychiatrist agreed that I should not take that medication but instead do other treatments by my adjuster. But my adjuster said that I have to follow what they, the insurance company, says it's nice to see their doctors. Uh, they said in the denial letter that I wasn't following reasonable treatments. How can they say that if my doctor, my doctor agrees that I shouldn't take that medication? This is preposterous. It is preposterous. And again, I see that quite often. Unfortunately, look, you have to follow your doctor's advice. You don't have to do anything that is going to hurt you or that your doctors are saying is going to hurt you. I'll tell you right now, Gregory, I've had these cases happen before. And we even, when we've initiated the legal claim, when the person was cut off because of that excuse that the person wasn't following reasonable treatments when they were, when we got the defense lawyer uh, involved, when the insurance company hired the defense lawyer, I got a phone call right right after from the defense lawyer asking me if, if we want to settle the case. So you follow your, your doctor's advice. You do exactly what's right for you. You don't do something that your doctor, your psychiatrist says is going to hurt you. They cannot force you to do that. And if they cut you off, we will hit them back and we will force them to pay you. Going to move on to Frank. Uh, finally get this in our last couple minutes of, of the show this week. Says a friend of mine was in a serious accident four months ago. He was cycling on the road on a bike lane when a car zoomed by and hit him. He flew and landed on his back. He was wearing a helmet, but he still suffered severe injuries and was taken to hospital. He had three surgeries so far on his back. He may not walk again. I'm afraid for him and worry that he'll never fully recover. He's only 42 years old, and now he can't work and needs someone to help him at home. What should I do? Frank, thank you very much for contacting us uh, on behalf of your friend. This is a brutal accident. We need to get in touch with your friend ASAP, with your friend and his family. We're talking about very severe injuries. And just as a recap, because we don't have much time left on the show, 
in a car accident situation, and whether it's a car uh, against car or car and a cyclist or a car and a pedestrian, the same issues uh, are the ones we're dealing with. There's who's at fault, and here obviously it's the other, it's the car, uh, and what the injuries are. And it's really important to understand that he's entitled to accident benefits uh, from uh, his his own automobile insurer, or if he doesn't have one, I know he's a cyclist, but he may have it. But if he mm-hmm. doesn't. Uh, he's entitled to accident benefits from the drivers, the one who hit him, their right. insurance company. And you're talking about income replacement benefits. You're talking about medical rehabilitation benefits, etc. But he's also entitled to a legal claim against that driver. And we're talking like a case like this that Frank is talking about. I know, John. Without even having more details, this is at least at least a six-figure case, if not seven figures. Hmm. So we need to get in touch so I can explain the full gamut. I can do a full show just on this particular scenario. It's such a tragic scenario, but it's important that he understands all his options and that the proper claims are initiated immediately. Don't go to a lawyer that's going to wait for, you know two years to do something. Yeah. You've got to do this stuff now. Frank, thanks for reaching out. Uh, you're a good guy. We'll uh, we'll leave it uh, leave it there. I'll give you the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred disabilityrights.ca. And if you haven't checked it out yet, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. Employment law uh, stuff there, but there's also a section about disability law. So feel free to check that out. It's uh, it's free. It's easy to use. It can be anonymous if you uh, wish. If not, there's a contact button at the bottom. Get a hold of Savannah Lee or after you've uh, you've done your thing there. Dis- uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time right here on the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.